You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. appreciate how much God has done for us. I mean, the cleansing. You read that chapter and it's just, you realize if you, if you listen carefully in reading Leviticus 16, I mean, the need for cleansing, the tremendous need for cleansing and the consequences of not being cleansed and not coming on God's terms. Romans 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3:23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. As believers and followers of Christ, we can sometimes lose sight of just how destructive and severe sin is in our lives. As a consequence of such, we all too often fall short of the appreciation we should have for all that God has done for us. As Pastor Danny will teach you in his message today, appreciation for God's grace often correlates with comprehending the nature of sin. In his study, you'll learn that the better you understand how bad sin is, the more likely you are to see just how good God is. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Leviticus chapter 16, as he begins his message, The Day of Atonement. You get to Leviticus chapter 11 and the title on my chapter is clean and unclean food. You go down to the last verse of that chapter, verse 47, it says, you must distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. Now, this is the old covenant. I want to make that clear. This is the old covenant. And there were dietary laws under the old covenant. You go back, same chapter, and back up to verse 9. One of the sections that I'm very happy that we're not under the old covenant, of all the creatures living in the waters of the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. But all creatures in the seas are streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things or among all the other living creatures in the waters, you are to detest. And since you are to detest them, you must not eat their meat and you must detest their carcasses. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be detestable to you. So gone would be the steak and lobster, gone. Uh, Verse 20, I would have had no problem with. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be detestable to you. That one, no, no problem at all. And then you go to verse 29. Of the animals that move about on the ground, these are unclean for you, and I got no problem with these, the weasel. I don't really, what are we having tonight, dear? Weasel. No, no weasel. Uh, No rats. The rat would be unclean. Uh, the great lizard's gone, the gecko, the monitor lizard. So you get the idea. So, but this, is, this was serious stuff under the old covenant. Uh, I mean, you eat, you eat the gecko, and 
you're in trouble. You eat the lobster, you're in trouble. Now, I want to make it very clear before we move on. Uh, Mark 7, verse 19, and you, you might know that scripture. It says there in Mark 7, 19, Jesus declared all foods clean. Hallelujah. I can have the lobster with the steak. I can have the bacon with the eggs and the grits. It's okay. Now, Romans 14, and we're not going to get into all this because that's not the point, really, uh, of where we're headed tonight, but Romans chapter 14, some people eat only vegetables in their faith, and they believe that's the diet they ought to have, and other people believe they can you know, eat beyond the vegetables. So whatever diet you choose, uh, just don't make it a diet that's religious in the sense that you believe if somebody doesn't follow your diet that they're unspiritual. We're under a new covenant. We're not under the old covenant. Jesus declared all foods clean. You decide what diet is the best for you, but diet doesn't make you more spiritual or less spiritual, unless, of course, you're overeating, and you can overeat vegetables. Takes a lot more work, but you can do it. And then you get to chapter 12, and my uh, heading on the chapter says purification after childbirth. I'm not going to read any verses on that chapter. We go to verse thir- uh, chapter 13, regulations about infectious skin diseases. Uh, I'm not going there. Then the regulations about mildew, same chapter. And then chapter 14, cleansing from infectious skin diseases. And in the same chapter in the middle, uh, cleansing from mildew and then it ends, these are the regulations for infectious skin diseases and mildew. And I'm very happy the Lord led me this particular time through the Old Testament that it's highlights. You get to chapter 15, discharges causing uncleanness. I'm not going there tonight. Uh, we go, go right to chapter 16. Right to chapter 16, verse 1. Here it is. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. Now, we looked at that last time. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. Now, it's a bit of what we looked at last time, but if you go back to Leviticus chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. And I mentioned when we went through that chapter, we don't know what exactly made the fire that Nadab and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, who offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. We aren't told exactly what made the fire unauthorized, but these two sections uh, give clues that could give us, well, possibilities. One is maybe they were drinking an intoxicating beverage when they went to offer the fire before the Lord. And maybe because they were drinking an intoxicating beverage, maybe they went beyond where they were allowed to go. You see, they would go in their ministry as the sons of the high priest Aaron, their dad, into the holy place, but they would never go into the most holy place, and that's what this scripture refers to in chapter 16. Behind the curtain into the most holy place, only the high priest could go into that area, all right? But he could only do it once a year, 
on the day of Yom Kippur, otherwise known as the day of atonement. And in my Bible, that's the heading of chapter 16, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. Verse three, this is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area with a young bull, bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So one's a substitutionary sacrifice, the other is a life sacrifice, the burnt offering represents complete, total devotion. Verse four, he's to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He's to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. Now, as we read through sections like this, I know this is not familiar with us because we're not under this covenant, but still try to pay attention to what's happening here. Sacred garments are mandatory, but before any sacred garments are placed upon him, he must be bathed with water. Verse 5, from the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he's to take the two goats, present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He's to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. You know what a scapegoat is, right? A scapegoat is a person or something that bears the blame for the sins, shortcomings of others. Uh, The scapegoat was also known as the goat of departure. You'll know why when we finish the chapter. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. Verse 11, Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and he's to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He's to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain into the most holy place. He's to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony so that he will not die. And the idea is the fragrant incense connected with the sacrifice, if it's according to God's terms, the incense will be pleasing to the Lord If it's not pleasing to the Lord, if it's unauthorized, if it's not in keeping with God's terms, guess what? Aaron is toast. Just like Nadab and Abihu. Verse 14, he's to take some of the bull's blood and with his finger, sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover, then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. Seven is the number of completion. And the suggestion, the implication is, it's a complete cleansing. That's the idea. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he'll make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. 
He's to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out. That's important. Having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger, here it is again, seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites. The uncleanness, it's their sin. So the area where God dwells, the most holy place, where the people congregate, the tent of meeting, and the altar itself must be sprinkled with blood to make atonement for the sin, the uncleanness of the Israelites. Verse 20, when Aaron had, has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He's to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. The goat of departure, it was called. And then Aaron is to go into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments he put on before he entered the most holy place. That's very interesting. And he's to leave them there. He shall bathe himself with water in a holy place, put on his regular garments. Then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. He shall also burn the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. The idea is just the sin on the goat has affected him. Afterward, he may come into the camp. The bull and the goat for the sin offerings, whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement, must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh, and awful, the dung, do I have to explain that? No. Are to be burned up. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you on the 10th day of the seventh month. You must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native born or alien living among you, because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. It's a Sabbath of rest and you must deny yourselves. It's a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He's to put on the sacred linen garments, make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priest and all the people of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. And I want you to miss that last section because the idea is uh, you were in the line of Aaron and then the, the priesthood and the responsibility, especially the high priest, was carried on from generation to generation. And so it was succeeding priests and 
endless sacrifices. I don't know if you're aware, the majority of Jews today have no idea what Yom Kippur is all about. It's sad. I mean, really sad. I, I was praying, really. I, I can't say I pray for Israel. I, I can't say I pray for the Jewish people every day. I'd like to be able to say that, but I can't say that. I'd be lying if I said that. But I prayed for them today. Quite a bit. Especially because in studying this text in a fresh way and then going online and viewing some video footage and some articles... I watched segments of a two and a half hour religious service in Israel. Both the ultra-Orthodox community of Jews and just the not ultra-Orthodox, but those who believe in God, have no clue what this is all about. But we know Israel is for the most part in blindness to the truth. But what's so amazing is this is the old covenant, and yet they don't even see this. They ignore this. So what's here? What's, what are the truths here? And um, there are a bunch of them. Uh, what's the truth of Leviticus chapter 16? Here's the first one. We can only approach God on his terms. That's how the chapter started off. We've seen it before. We saw it in chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu. But here it is again. Tell your brother Aaron, verse 2, not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover. And then, of course, throughout the passage. Uh, if it's not on God's terms, it's not pleasing incense, and Aaron is toast. And, of course, anybody that tries to come on their own terms. Jesus put it this way, John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I was so bummed. This is not in my notes. pops into my mind. I trust this, the Lord putting it on my mind. I'm backstage uh, between one of the services this weekend and talking to some of the band members and um, I forget how we got on it. We got talking about some, you know, old rock and rollers that supposedly had become Christians, and, and some have. And uh, Rick Wakeman used to be with Yes. Remember, he was the organist, you know? I mean, I love that organ. And um, for years now, I've understood that Rick Wakeman um, had become a Christian. And I read an article while we were backstage, because we were talking, and I read an article that I hadn't read before, and evidently, when he did commit his life to Christ, he went back to his roots. So he had some roots in the family of Christianity. But I read this article, and I was so bummed. Because what uh, was in part of the article, he was being questioned. Uh, you know, it was one of those question interviews, and here's the question, and Rick Wakeman answers it. And one of the questions was, well, what about your friend Cat Stevens when he converted to Islam? Did you tell Cat Stevens no Christianity is the way to go? And Rick Waitman's response was, uh, well, no, you know, because Cat Stevens found faith. That's what he found. He found, and I was happy for him because he found faith. And in the article, Rick Waitman said, look, it's one God, and he's the same God, but there are a lot of different ways to get to him. 
And now every time I listen to roundabout <laughs> and that organ, <laughs> I'm going to go, Rick, what are you doing, man? That's not the truth. It's just not the truth. We only approach God on his terms. There is only one God. And there are not many ways to get to him. There's one way. That's the truth. And we don't want to say it arrogantly or self-righteously, but any other message will not get him into the presence of God. We also learn from Leviticus 16, man's tremendous need for cleansing from sin. In another discussion backstage this past weekend, boy, we got a lot covered this past weekend backstage. Another band member was telling me uh, how he, he's had these opportunities, and I knew it, to go and share and do Bible studies and things and speak and share Christ. Uh, and he was invited, I think he's going this week, but anyway, very soon, to a local ministry. And I, won't, I, I almost was going to give you the name of the leader. I, I almost think I should, because I know him. But we're not close or anything, but it's a local ministry, been around for a long time. It reaches out to... Uh, people on the streets and people with addictions and stuff. And um, <laughs> Steve invited to go and speak uh, at this ministry in one of their meetings. And the leader said, now when you come, don't talk about sin. And of course, I gave my uh, friendly advice to Steve on what to say. Hey, I'm just going to tell the truth. Or, you know, you, got, you invited the wrong guy. Invited the wrong guy. That's like the, the, the rabbi, Jewish rabbi lady that called me when we were sharing a memorial service for someone uh, that had died connected with our fellowship here. And there was family members in the, the Jewish side of things. And, and uh, she called me and said, it'd be good if you wouldn't mention Jesus and you're part of the service. I was kind. I was kind. You'd have been proud of me. I was kind. But I didn't back down. Hey, no, no, not for, for the Lord. I mean, come on. But listen, hey, you know how many places there are now professing Christians and even churches and pastors, and they don't want to talk about sin? I love what Vance Habner said. I don't know if you guys remember Vance Habner. He's with the Lord now, but Vance Habner said, we're trying to get young people in the day uh, to say, here am I, send me, without first saying, woe is me. Isaiah 6. Isaiah first said, woe is me, and he saw how sinful he was next to the, the king that he saw high and lifted up. And it was after that he realized his own tremendous need for cleansing. Woe is me, he said, I'm a man, I'm done. And until we come to the place we realize, listen, I was thinking tonight as we were singing, some of the words were so rich in light of what we're studying tonight. And I was saying, even for myself, do we really appreciate how much God has done for us? I mean, the cleansing. You read that chapter and it's just, you realize if you, if you listen carefully in reading Leviticus 16, I mean, the need for cleansing, the tremendous need for cleansing, and the consequences of not being cleansed and not coming on God's terms. Romans 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death.
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Leviticus. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book of the law. God gave these rules and regulations to the Israelites for a reason. Each one of them points you to who God is and how he desires his followers to stand out from the rest of the crowd. Leviticus gives you a picture of the care that God has for his creation and invites you into a new way of living. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor Danny's teachings from this book, or if you'd like to explore other series from The Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. While you're there, you can also learn about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're not able to join us in person just yet, you can still tune in via our live stream. Find a link at our website. As our time with you comes to an end today, we want you to know that we're praying for you. Is there anything specific we could be lifting up to the Lord? Please email us to let us know. Info at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for now. Join us next time for more from Leviticus right here on The Living Word.